You know, um, there are many positions of people that are behind the scenes that really make this happen. And, you know, the one who speaks or the one who leads worship or the ones who get seen. But the truth of the matter is what happens around here wouldn't happen if Haley doesn't do her job and Chris doesn't do his job and Jeff doesn't do his job. And, you know, what we want is to be able to show them a little bit more, let them be in front of you. They, they literally equally share. It's a team effort. It's not just one or two people that make it happen. And so thank you very much for all that you do. And you are a good announcement. Um, now, she said that we don't uh, put the hard sell on. And that was true. She doesn't. But I do. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. So uh, two things. Uh, if you weren't here last weekend, it did. It snowed like crazy. I don't know if you were able to watch the service. I'm going to talk about it as we get into the message. But one of the things that we were doing, I started five weeks ago. I said, we have $2 million left on our project and a deadline with it. And uh, on the 6th, which was last weekend, we had to have that money in hand or be able to show that we were going to have that money in hand. And so uh, roughly $800,000 to last weekend had come in. And then Pastor Melson, who's our business administrator, had contacted our bank and got an approval for a million dollars that we can borrow. And so then the builder was able to see, okay, that's right there at $2 million and uh, will allow us to keep raising money because they could see that. But here's the thing. We don't want to borrow that money. And I'm going to give you the greatest example in the world why. An additional payment on a million dollars, depending on where interest will turn out by the time we sign the document, it's another four or $5,000 a month, which in the scheme of things doesn't sound like that much. But what Haley just said is true. Ukraine is only one place that we had requests this last week to help with. And if I spend money on debt, on a payment, then I have to say no to other things that are far more valuable. Do do, do you understand? It's not just me up here driving something. There are reasons for why we want to be as debt-free as we possibly can. My goal with this is that we, we get this thing eventually Zero, so that the money that comes in doesn't have to be spent on a mortgage, but can be spent on saying yes to ministry whenever we always want to say yes if God asks us to do something. And the need, guy, is not getting less. It's getting more and more and more in the world we're living in right now. So this is, this, it's just so, um, it's so important. So here, here's what we were doing. I want to do it one more weekend. If you didn't see it, Jeff, if you'll hand that to me. Uh, this chair is the chair that's going in uh, the new facility. 800 of them in the worship center, 200 of them uh, in the youth. So that's 1,000 chairs. And I had this excellent suggestion from a family in the church that came to me and said, Pastor, when you talk about $2 million, there's not very many people who can write a check for that amount of money. Raise your hand if that is true. Yes, okay, me too. So he said, they said, it was uh, uh, the Daltons, Bob and Cindy, they said, break it down where people can see a way that what they do will help. So we, we're going to buy a 1,000 chairs, and um, here's what I did. We need uh, $1.2 million. We have 800000 through this last week. We need one2 That's the $2 million. So if you take a 1,000 chairs, each chair would be $1,200 to make the $1.2 million. And so what I'm asking people to do is, would you buy a chair for you, or maybe for if you're a couple, for the two of you, or maybe by faith, buy one for someone who will sit in it, who will find Jesus for the first time. Maybe sow that seed right there. And don't think that that is like, you know, Pastor, you're making that. That is not. People get saved here all the time. And more and more and more will that be necessary. By the way, the name of this chair, we did not, we, I, God is my witness, I did not know this. Chris, we found out after we had decided these, it's called Jubilee 2. It's the name of the chair, Jubilee 2. Now you're like, well, that's just a coincidence. It could have been called Satan's throne for all we, we don't know. But it's called Jubilee 2, and I just don't believe, you can look at those things and say there's nothing more. I don't see any connection there. I think it's a little kiss from God is what I think it is, right? So I think it's cool. And so interestingly enough, I announced it uh, last Sunday. And we sold almost immediately 199 chairs, which is a little over, uh, you know, 200,000. So Haley uh, came up with this idea, and this was an excellent idea to demonstrate it. So the goal is 2 million. Uh, Through, uh, with the chairs and what's come in, we we now are over a million, 1,058,513 in just the last five weeks. 
So we need 941, 487. I know today I had a guy walk up to me that he said, I've never met you before, but uh, our family wants to buy 10 of them, handed me the check right there. And then I had a church, Pastor Evan, one of the churches we launched. I had lunch with Evan this week, and Evan watched the message last week, and when we get done, I'm saying goodbye to him, and he goes, Emily and I want to buy two chairs so we have a place to sit when we come to visit. And I said, you're not welcome, but thank you for the... the, the no, I said, Todd, I love Evan. And actually, I'm going to have Ev back. Part of you know, what we'll do over several months for the grand opening is have people who have been significant in the life of this church come back and share with us in that, because they helped us get to that point, and Evan will be one of the people that I bring back to, to teach and have an opportunity. Um, but I, all I want you to do is see that, guys, I'm telling you, we can do this. I, I know in my heart, we will have this in cash. I know it. I just, I'm not, it's not bravado. It's not just hoping. I know in my heart, the Lord has told me we're going to do this. So would you pray about this? And if you're like, I, I can't do that right now, pledge a chair. And if you can't do a chair, buy half a chair. You can only sit on half of it, but by half a... No, do, do what you can do. Don't see it as like, I don't want a person, even if you're capable to write the rest of that check, I don't want that from you because you take away us sharing this. This is our church. It's not a wealthy person's church. It's our church. Do you understand? We want to share this. We want to all be a part of this. I want you to get that in your idea. And you can do this. Chris and I bought two... Last week, we're going to try to buy another two uh, next month before it's done. We're planning on uh, having a baby. And so uh, a spiritual baby will be in that chair right there. Yeah. <laughs> My wife goes, ha, like that, ha. So I don't know what that means exactly. But um, Jeff, thank you. I'll give this back to you. And if you have any questions on that, uh, comments. I know I also had uh, another person who, who texted me last week and said our family's in, I think it was 42 chairs that they're going to buy. And uh, what, the way that we've arranged it is they want to see the building. I'm going to take them on a tour of it. And they want to be able to present the check uh, at that time right there. So guys, I know that we'll do this. I just, I have confidence in the Lord that we're going to do it. All I want you to do is to pray about it, please. If the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. If you don't hear anything, don't do anything. It's okay. Uh, nobody's going to come. And, and, you know, Haley's right about that. Adults don't have to be told to brush your teeth, brush your teeth. We do it. Little children have to be told that. All I'm doing is asking for this. I will not badger you. I will not check. I will not come to your house. There will be no shakedown. It is literally just saying to adults, would you please pray about this? Is that fair? Yes. Do you agree with that? Will you pray about it? I'm not going away, guys. So just, okay. <laughs> last, last announcement, and then I'll jump into this. Um, finally, 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 the world is opening back up again in Israel. It was so stringent. For the last two years, we've been unable to go after making 14 trips. And so I, I'm desperate to be back there. I'm desperate to take people who haven't seen it or people who have that want to go back. So the trip this year, uh, tentatively planned, is uh, August the 27th through September the 5th, that's 10 days. Uh, cost, uh, itinerary, questions, we do it at an informational meeting that will be next Sunday after this service, immediately after, right? We're gonna stay for 45 minutes or an hour. I'll give you the itinerary, I'll talk to you about how we make the payments, you don't have to come up with it all at once. I'll let you know all of those things, insurance, safety protocols, all of those things. We're not unskilled at this trip. We've done this literally 14 times. It's something that, it's not a tourist trip. If you're like, oh, that sounds like a great vacation, do not go because it's a great vacation. Hawaii is a better vacation. I'm being honest with you. Go because it's a spiritual pilgrimage. I can show you where Jesus walked. I will take you to the place in front of Pilate's palace where they beat Jesus, literally beat him. I can take you to those pavement stones. We will go down 30 or 40 feet below. They're the actual stones. They're, I can't do that in many places, but I can show you where Jesus was in some places. One of them today we'll talk about, the Garden of Gethsemane. I can take you to Gethsemane and show you where he was when he was arrested. Show you where he was when he was... And if you're like, I, why? Maybe you shouldn't go. But if you're like, man, I would love to see that... It is a spiritual journey, and I think every believer should go at least one time in your life. And if you have it in your heart that you'd like to, but you're not sure if you can afford it, come to the, the meeting is the first step. 
It doesn't obligate you, but you won't even know if you don't come here to the meeting. And then if you want to go, the opportunity is there. You can pray about it. You don't have to do something on that day. We have a little bit of time. A um, little bit closer than normal because it finally just opened up. We've been waiting. Now I'm beginning to ramble. Next Sunday, um, right after this meeting, if you'd like to go to that, we'd love to, love to have you there. Okay, let's jump. Let's pray because uh, I need to recenter my mind and I want to get you focused too. So Father, I love you. And this morning, God, I'm inspired to pray exactly what Jesus told us. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let Jubilee be done here as it is in heaven. In heaven there is no sickness, so in the name of Jesus, may sickness die in this place. In heaven there is no bondage. In heaven there is no doubt. In heaven there is no, no, there's no lies and there's no, no lack of peace. And in heaven it's joy. And you told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Let Jubilee be a place where the kingdom of God rises up as never before. God, in these days and in these times, Father God, as never before. God, just, Lord, fill us, move around us. God, show us. Lord, raise faith in here. In this place, God, are world changers. This church is a last day's church, Father. We will do rapture ministry. Until you come, we will be faithful. And so, Father, in this place, it's full of faithful people who want to hear from you today. So please, Lord, bless this. Bring us together. Let us be one, Father. And I pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 All right, uh, new series is going to be called The Way Back to Church. We're using the Way Back theme uh, the first part of this year. We will change it uh, in the second half of the year. But through uh, Easter, we're kind of staying with a theme and a little bit different. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But today's The Way Back to Church. And in particular, I titled the message, Safety in a Coming Storm. Safety in a coming storm, right? You can't look at the world today and not realize things are changing right now in front of us. It's not the same world that it was three weeks ago. The idea that globalism was going to be the new age thing that we all cooperated and got along with. For those of you who are around my age, you realize in 24 hours the USSR came right back. The KGB never really did go away. It's here. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hang out for a minute and I'll help you get there. But I'm going to talk about safety in the coming storm. Uh, Matthew 24. Here's why I'm using this. It's the most concise teaching on what it will be like before the return of Jesus in this world. Jesus and the disciples are in the temple and they walk out of the temple. And you have to understand what Jesus is about to say. It, it's, it's, if other people, religious leaders in particular, were to hear Jesus say, you see this temple, not one stone will be left upon it. It will be leveled. That would be considered blasphemy. This is, it would be the equivalent of me standing up and saying, do you see the White House? Not one stone will be left on each other. But that's only political. For Israel, it was political and it was a theocracy. This is, it's, a, it's a big statement that Jesus makes. And the reason we know this is about end times is because he's asked that very question. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus doesn't give them a parable. He speaks directly to them about what the earth is going to be like in that time. So as I read this, ask yourself if it doesn't seem like these things are beginning to happen today. Matthew 24, 3 through 8. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, I can take you there. The disciples came to him privately. Privately because for him to say these things out loud would get him in trouble with these religious leaders. And it's not that Jesus was afraid to say it, but Jesus chose the time and the place to say the things that he needed to say. There's wisdom in that. You agree? Wisdom. So here's the question. Uh, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And look at the, look, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So we know from that right there, I'm not making this try to say something that it doesn't say. It literally, the question is, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus just plain talks, right? He just, he just tells them. Let's go ahead and go to that for me. Jesus answered. The first one is a piece of advice. Watch out that no one, what? Deceives you. So deception will be loosed in the world in a way that, there's always been deception, but it's going to be loosed in a way that it's never been loosed before. And here's the problem with deception. A person who's deceived doesn't know they're deceived. That's why it's called deception. And if you've ever talked to a person who is deceived about something, you recognize you can't out-argue a deceived person. You can't out-yell a deceived person, 
what you really end up having to do is when someone is deceived, their eyes can't see it. It's not that they're being argumentative. That's what they believe. And so some things are not a matter of like, how, how effective are you at arguing? Some things only the Holy Spirit can speak through. So that when, when we're dealing with deception on a large scale, you are not smart enough, fast enough, able enough by yourself to battle what's coming. You're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit and other people who are with you, who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is here on the earth with us, who is leading us. You're going to have to be with people like that in order to make it through the time and the storm that's coming. Thank you for that huge amen. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then here's another piece of advice. Look at this. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Let me ask you a question. Looking at what's going on in Russia in the last three weeks, how many of you are somewhat alarmed? If that were to ramp up, let's say it's a three or a four right now. If it were to suddenly go to a nine or a ten, would it be easy to not be alarmed? So you can't do this. In, like you can't calm yourself when it gets like that. What you have to do is be so in with the Holy Spirit that you know God holds us in his hand and nobody can snatch us from there. And regardless of how bad it gets out here, God has a way to protect, to put you under his wing, to make sure that you're okay. The bottom line, listen, you laugh at this, but it's the truth. Read the end of the Bible. We win. It doesn't mean that we don't go through trouble, but we win. And you've got to be at a place where instead of shaking, listen how important this is, with things that are coming, you cannot be shaking when the rest of the world is shaking. You are going to have to be light in darkness, strength in weakness, truth when there's deception. You are, you're not going to be able to stand on the fence any longer and straddle one foot here, one foot there. The time is coming. You will not be allowed. It's going to choose for you if you don't decide. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not badgering, bullying, push. I love you enough to tell you the truth right now. You will not be able on your own to make it through this time. I'm not saying heaven and hell, but I'm saying the life, the enemy is looking. The, Jesus said it like a roaring lion. Not a lion, but like one seeking whom he may devour. So then our job is to make sure he starves to death when he comes to our house. Yes or no? I don't want to lose one. Not one, not one, not one. I'm not willing to sacrifice one. But I can't care about this more than you care about this. You have to partner with me on this. And if you're like, Pastor, you seem so intense about it. Because this ain't no joke. This isn't church as usual. It's got to change. It's got to become mature. It's got to become a praise in the earth. It's got to become an arm of God that's strong. Listen, America has been able to get away with casual church. And what you're unaware of is that the house is on fire around the world. More people are dying for their faith today than at any other time in history. Do you know that? You read Fox's book of martyrs of something that happened 2,000 or 1,000 years ago. More people are dying today for their faith right now than ever before. But we sit here and we feel nothing. It's almost as though it's just a casual thing. I can take it or leave. It's important to me, but so are the Broncos. Russell Wilson is coming. Second coming. I don't know where that came from. It just popped out of me. We treat it like it's such a casual thing, guys. It's the equivalent of in a battle finding out that the army is made up of Cub Scouts and Girl Scouts and not ready to go to battle. And us, we have been able to... I was a Cub Scout, no. And I just bought Girl Scout cookies. Jay, did I buy them? And I gave them away to my small group. So I'm all for it. No, it's not a knock. But it would be the equivalent of like finding out that you're, you're ready to go to battle and you've got people who... So the message is to call... You are warriors. You are armed and dangerous. But you've got to learn to put on the armor. And having done all to stand, you've got to be willing to stand, therefore. That's what the word says. In Proverbs, it says, those who are weak in the day of adversity are weak indeed. Listen to me. There's a storm coming. So when? I believe we're starting in it now. I believe it's been going on. Jesus described it as birth pains. Any woman that's given birth knows 
it's not a 10. It starts at a right away, exactly. So, you, you, you know, people are like, who do you think you are to talk about that? I was half of the deal. <laughs> I was not a fainting father. I was right there. I didn't go through the pain. Uh, but I can tell you that it didn't start at a 10. Birth pains start uh, one, and they're not, you can time them, but they're not timeable yet. There's not a rhythm to them yet. They start here and they go there, but as it intensifies and as the baby gets closer, they come faster and they are intense. And Jesus said, it's the beginning of birth pains. The end is not yet. So right now, you're in a time where it's the beginning. And so it's hard to measure it, right? But I'm telling you, in 24 hours, the world changed, folks. The pandemic should have proved to you that things can change quickly overnight. And that it's, a divi- it's an easily divisible thing amongst our nation. And if you think that was, wait to a thing that comes that makes people choose, hey, this could be very costly if you're going to hold your faith. Many people will say it's not worth it. What will you say? Those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Remember I said that. Hmm. I read an article that fit with what I want to try to teach today. Did I finish reading the rest of that? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Look at this. You got to go to the next. There we go. There will be famines and earthquakes in various diverse places. And all these things are what? The beginning of birth pains. Hard to get a rhythm on it yet because it happens here and it happens there and it's not. But as we get closer, you'll be able to count them. It'll be automatic. Uh, Isaiah said it this way. Tell me if we don't live in this day. He said, woe to you when you live in a place that calls good evil and evil good. Yes or no? Woe to you. This is what he said. Woe to you when they substitute and say to you, wrong is right and right is wrong. He didn't say hooray for you. He said, woe to you who live in that generation and at that time. Yes or no? I mean, like, you look at it, and it's still, I I will admit to you, it's out there, but it's closer now than it was last week. There's just not an automatic rhythm to it yet, but it will increase. Why do I know that? Because I trust what Jesus said. In fact, one of the ways, when I I make that cute little idea that the devil's a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, looking whom he may devour, let him starve to death. Everybody, yes, that's true. So how are you going to do that? He is a better deceiver than you are a person who knows truth in your own mind. So let me tell you right now, this Bible cannot be optional. You can't pick and choose what you want to believe. You believe it all or you believe none of it. And if you can't explain it, then just say, I can't explain it. But if you start picking and choosing, okay, this one I like and that, if you can't believe all of it, how can you trust any of it? Tell me. Because truth in this day will not come from here or from here. It will come from the Word of God and you align yourself with the Word. What's coming to this earth has not come before. Jesus' words, not Pastor John's words. I read this article that fit with what I'm trying to say today. The title of the article, Why Don't People Evacuate in a Hurricane? Now, we live in Colorado. The big body of water is, uh, by my house, it's a reservoir. Cherry Creek or, you know, whichever one you happen to live by. We don't have to worry about it. But I was born in Louisiana, right by the Gulf, where they get hurricanes. How many of you have ever been through a hurricane? Let me just see real quick. Yeah, ooh, wow, third of us. It was, hurricane's a weird thing. Some of them, people just like, it's a big storm. No, I, <laughs> it's more than that. Smaller ones, ones, twos, maybe a three. You can write it out, but fives, they're devastating. This article comes from the time of Katrina right up until 2019, dealing with Category 5 storms, asking the question, why would somebody stay and go through a Category 5? Why wouldn't they evacuate and get out of the way? The Bible says a prudent person, a person who knows how to make good decisions, the prudent 
see the storm coming and position themselves so the storm passes by without harming them. Isn't that smart? But the article asks, why do so many people, instead of evacuating, why do they stay in a storm? In Katrina, in particular, New Orleans, where I'm from, literally hundreds of people lost their lives because they didn't evacuate. The levee broke. The Gulf of Mexico was pushed into New, New Orleans is 20 feet below sea level. Water seeks its own level. Give it a chance and it floods out and people knew that. And it had been told forever. A storm is finally going. That was the problem. It had been predicted forever and was so long in coming that people said, ah. So the article reads this way. They did a poll. It went on for uh, like 15 years. And the question was, um, why don't people evacuate? 57% of people who didn't evacuate misjudged the severity of the storm. 40% of the others who didn't evacuate thought that prior hurricanes turned out not to be as severe, so this one probably won't be severe too. And here's Jesus telling us, this is severe. And will you position yourself? Will you get in the right place? Will you come into the ark of safety? Or will you take your chances? Why would you gamble with your life? So now here talking right now. I know some of you, he's an alarmist. It's dramatic. It's Pastor John. And just like the disciples asked Jesus, when will this happen? What's going to be the sign so I can judge correctly? And Jesus gives the whole thing in Matthew 24. I'm going to read it one more time, 4 through 8. Jesus answered, here's when this will happen. Here's what to watch out for. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. We live in that day. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And you might say to yourself, that's, all, that's humanity. That's always been going on. Jesus is not saying that it's never gone on before. He's saying what's coming is going to start coming faster, faster, more ferocity. It's going to take us by surprise, even though he's warning us. Are you listening? Do you hear me? Don't tune me out right now. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not afraid, you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various diverse places. All of these things are the beginning of birth pains. So there are four, uh, four non-negotiables that I want to talk about. But I also want to give you the three pieces of advice that Jesus gives us facing some difficult days. Number one, watch out that no one deceives you. And I'm telling you right now, you are not strong enough on your own, by yourself, to not be deceived. Jesus teaches in this, I just didn't include it because it goes on down, there would have been so much scripture. But he actually says that there will be a great falling away. And that many hearts will grow cold because of how much evil there is. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. So does it have to happen? It does have to happen because he said, but it doesn't have to happen here. And it doesn't have to happen to you. Because the prudent foresee the day of trouble and position themselves in the ark of safety so that it passes them by. So this is not a fearful message. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to prepare yourself. Wake up. We live in a church age in America where you can be casual about your faith. You can love church, but choose the Broncos. Yes or no? And no penalty to pay it. And I'm telling you, a day is coming. It's not going to be like that. You think I'll just jump in at the last. I'm going to kind of go all over the place right now. You're like you always do that. Good for you. Noah was told to build an ark for a group of people who had never experienced a flood. Do you know how long it took Noah to build the ark? Anybody know? What you, would you say? Say Right on. Gold star. I don't want to hurt your wrist. Jesus, heal that wrist. How about that? Okay. <laughs> the pastor broke my wrist in church. Uh, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. And the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So for 120 years, while he's building the ark, people passing by, what are you doing? Noah told them, a flood is coming. It's going to wipe out many people. And the only place of safety is on this ark. Get on this ark. 120 years, Noah preached righteousness. Do you know how many people got on the ark? Eight. If we measured Noah's ministry by today's standard, we would say, what a failure Noah was. 
But I would say to you, if your family makes it, you were highly successful, Jeremiah. Highly successful. If others won't, you have to choose, you will. Make sure you're in the ark of safety. And there is no boat. Jesus is the ark of safety. But this is the body of Christ. And it is not okay to be casual about the ark of safety. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen to me. Do I take this serious? Am I intense? Guys, I came here when I was 34 years old. This was not a chance for me to build something to step to a large church. I came here, burned the ships, and said I will give my life to one group of people, even if they don't want me. I will stay, and I will finish here, because I believe that that's really what God wants. The Bible says when the sheep get struck, the shepherd can't run away, but a hireling will. I'm no hireling. I don't set myself up as anything except a follower of Jesus given authority to try to care for the souls that come here. That's it. And I take that serious. And I'll show you why when we get to the end of the message. Because I'm trying to raise you. And if you're like, look, pastor, that's not the kind of message I want. There are so many churches you can go to. We'll call them the church of the hot tub. Because, dude, you can slide into it. And it's, and it's like, ooh, she works for me. Ooh, it's, oh, it's so, oh, sorry. Golly, I'm hurting you. It's nice glasses, too. It's just like, oh, make me feel good, make me feel good, make me feel good. And, so, and it's okay to feel good. So I use humor to try to get it across. This is serious. And you live in a place and a time where people can treat it casual, but around the world today, people are having to choose between life and death, and they gather with other believers because they realize this is not casual. It's not just a choice. It's the difference between making it or not making it. Those who stand firm to the end shall be saved. And I'm telling you, listen why it's intense to me. We're not ready. We are not ready. Churches are about entertaining people. How well can you preach? Make me laugh. Let me go to things that are fun, but don't challenge me. Don't push me. Don't tell me I'm not ready. <laughs> you know the problem with that? Dude, I want you to like me so much. I really do. I have that in me. I mean, if you don't want people to like you, you're a psycho. <laughs> I want people to like me, but here's the problem. I will have to answer to God for what I said to you. So I want you to like me, but I fear God. So that you do have the right to say no, but I have to keep coming. And the more serious it gets, the harder I will try to get this across to you. You said, Pastor, I didn't grow up in a church like that. Neither did I. I grew up in a church where they did it in Latin. Nobody knew what was being said. Nomina pompana. And I think, okay. What did he say? I, I don't know, but I went. It's not that day anymore. It's changing right now. This is a sound going out right now. Wake up and get ready. Wake up, get ready. This message is a little different than the last one, isn't it? Hmm. I think people think, like, if I go to this one, it's the same as that one. With me, it's never that way. <laughs> Thank God. I'm not giving a speech, man. So Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. And I'm trying to tell you, you're not strong enough on your own to not be deceived. And if you're taking this casually or like maybe it's a choice that I'll make, depending on how convenient it is, depending on the weather, depending on what's going on on TV, then I'll decide. I'm telling you, you're already being deceived. It's not coming. It's already there. You've decided that spiritual things are up for debate. And Jesus is saying, watch out that no one deceives you. I, I, that wouldn't happen. And the second piece of advice that Jesus gave is, see to it that you're not alarmed. You better be so sure about what you believe, because what's coming will not let you be casual about it. Pressure is going to come to the church. I'm not saying wrath, but Jesus said trouble. Those were his words, trouble. 
you will go through a little bit of trouble. And it's not for everybody. Some people are already saying no right now. And Jesus also said it's just the beginning of birth pains, trouble. So let's talk about wars and rumors of wars real quick. Jesus prophesied that increased war and threats of war will happen. And you might say, but it's in our nature. There's always been war. I agree. Jesus knew that. What he's saying is, these are not going to be small skirmishes here and there. These are going to be major conflicts that come faster and faster and faster and faster. Hi, Todd. I see everything. Ukraine. We have a lady in our church from Ukraine who talked with Chris last week connected to a church there. Can you help? How can we not? Yes, we can help. How can we not? You know what's funny about it, though? The world finds itself right now, and our government in particular, alongside of NATO, looking at this, trying to judge, how do we not cross a line that pulls us into World War III suddenly? Because we're dealing with a person in Russia who's threatening nuclear arms right now. Many nations haven't, but people don't threaten each other with it. This man is saying... Watch what I'll do. I'm putting my nuclear forces on high alert. I'll hit the world with something that they've not been hit with before. That's what he said. Interfere and this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to say something to you. I think he might be crazy enough. Because I don't think he can suffer a defeat. I think there's more ego involved than anything else. A rewriting of history. I think what backfired on him is that he thought we we're divided and corrupt. And what, Putin brings the West together. Could you have predicted that, Jeff? Could you have predicted that? I think it, he miscalculated, and he also miscalculated that a group of people are willing to fight for their homeland. So there was a poll last week in America asking people, if it came to America, would you fight for your country? And there is a group, 48% of the people said they would run away. Dude, I have two sons that would, this is a serious thing. And for those who are bravado with this, we just need to do this. Let me tell you the truth. You may not have voted for him, but you should be praying for him right now. You have a responsibility, according to the word of God, pray for your leaders. For those who are in authority. Do you know the Bible actually says that no one is in authority in those positions unless God said it was okay. And how do you not know that what Jesus prophesied has to be brought about with a current leader? We always think just from our point of view and never think of a bigger picture that's going on right now. Pray for this man. Pray for him to have wisdom right now that a man doesn't naturally have. So many people are calling for this and some are calling for How do you know what to do? And politics play so much. We need a person who is serious and not political. We need a person who can calculate sons and daughters will die if I make the wrong decision. I would fight for my country because I believe that God chose this country. And he's used it to establish freedom. And we have sent more missionaries around the world. We have a spiritual heritage that I believe that the Lord has blessed. But when I look at it out there, I think to myself, I better know that God is doing this. Not some politician trying to play favorites to his party is doing this. I don't want my sons dying for that. I don't want my daughters to go through that. Are you with me on that? And if you're just like casual about like, well, do you have any skin in the game? If you don't have skin in the game, you don't get a choice. But if you have skin in the game, you get the right to say something about it. This is serious right now, folks. We watch it on TV and in real time on our telephones and it's so far away. What if it came here? And you don't think it could? We went through a pandemic that divided our nation so quickly. What do you think will happen when people have to choose faith? Or their job. Or to eat. And we act like, oh, I'm ready for Are you ready for that? What would you do? The pastor, stop. You're scaring me. Jesus said, don't be afraid about these things. Just be sure what you believe. Right. Be so sure what you believe that regardless of what happens, you're okay. Amen. That's what I'm trying to say to you. You will not be okay in your natural mind. You will not be okay taking your advice from the Wall Street Journal, CNN, or Fox. You will be okay lining it up with what the Bible says. Get yourself in that place. If this is an option for you, you are deceived. It's not on the way. It's here. 
And then maybe you'll hear this and decide, you know what, this is not the church for me. And that's what I say. There are many out there who will just, yeah, it's all good. Don't worry. And you will be caught by surprise. You were not ready. Jesus even describes his return will catch two people walking. One is taken and the other one wonders what happened. And two are sleeping and one is taken. The other one goes, what happened? Two people are working. One is taken. What happened? He'll come as a surprise. They call the clock that deals with nuclear arms the doomsday clock. You know what I'm talking about? And they move the, not the minute hand, the second hand. That's how close they call it. And so just in the last three weeks, they've moved it now to about 60 seconds. They call it to midnight. Isn't it funny that Jesus also said he will come at midnight? Now, maybe you find no connection in that. I just think it's interesting that the world itself says at midnight, and Jesus also said, don't let me catch you unaware, because it's going to come at an hour when, you know, it won't come at 11.30 in the morning when you're at your best. It was meant to say it'll come at a time when you may or may not be prepared for it. So get yourself prepared. You Okay. Am I too strong right now? You're looking like... I'm not. It's not my heart to make you afraid. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't let yourselves be afraid. But that's what you better... Don't put your trust in me. Put it in Jesus. Line up what I'm saying with the word. And if you don't... If you're like, well, take everything he says because he's the preacher. Read your Bible to make sure that I'm right. Find out for... That's... uh, Okay, i got to get to this message here. So come on, John. Wars and rumors of wars. Ukraine, Russia, and NATO, keep your eye on it. You need to be praying right now. The Middle East and Israel. We're trying to make (laughs) a very serious mistake to realign ourselves with a silly treaty with Iran to do with nuclear weapons. Obama signed that, and with that, literally, they flew a C-130 into Iran. On that plane was $1.8 billion in cash that they literally carried out in boxes, gave it to the Ayatollahs. What did they do with that money? Feed their people? No. They spent it on armaments for their proxies in Syria, in Lebanon, and in Gaza, surrounding Israel. There is a war coming there that will involve Russia and will involve Turkey. Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's right there. Guys, we're living in these times. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say, look, if you can't see it, come on. Come on. Many smaller regional conflicts, Africa, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Mexico. I read yesterday... Uh, Mexico, there's 149,000 people missing in the narco wars in Mexico right now. 149,000 people. And we read these things and it's like, oh, that's there. Dude, the house is on fire. And I, it's funny, really listen to this because I'll have people write me almost weekly who will tell me, you need to talk more about politics, politics, politics. And then I have people say, what we like about Jubilee is that you don't talk about politics, politics, politics. And so I know that as long as I have that tension, I kind of know I'm in the right place. But what the Lord told me, listen to me. He told me, you've got to keep the main thing the main thing, and it's about Jesus. Don't turn it into a political issue. Politics are important. They are. But I'm not trying to divide my church. Our common denominator is not how you voted, it's that you love Jesus. That's what I have to build this church on. So therefore I have to resist those who want me to do it this way or those who think I should be more this way. But if it lines up with the Bible, Amy, then I will talk about it in politics. So I'll just say this real quickly. China is not our friend. And that doesn't mean Chinese people aren't our friend. And so I'll say this real quickly. The church in the world today, listen to this. The place where revival is happening more in the world, the two places, the underground church in Iran, 
and the underground church in China. And people are choosing today to have to sneak into services with other believers because they realize I can't do this by myself. I will be eaten alive. And they have to put their lives on the line to go do it. And we treat it. We're not ready. You've got to choose to be with other people who believe what you believe so that they're strengthened. You're formidable in numbers. One can put a thousand, two, ten thousand. God has a math that's different than our math. And three are not quickly broken. We're going to need each other like we've never needed. It's been, Pastor, come and tell us what you did this last week. How many people you talked about to the Lord? How much you prayed, what you read? And I'm telling you right now, you are prophets. You are warriors. You are going to do things that you have no idea. The Bible says the people of God in those days will do great exploits. I want this church to be known as a church where God's people did great exploits. They didn't hide out. They didn't shake for fear. They shined the light in the darkness. They rose when the devil came in like a flood. And they stood to the end. I want a church that's ready. And I want to laugh too. And I want to have joy. But we also have to be ready. Do you hear what I'm saying? Am I being too intense? Okay, sure. I'm, thank you. But there might be other people like, don't encourage him right now, please. So back to church. Do you know who Craig Rochelle is? If you don't know, would you raise your hand just for my sake so I can see how much time? Okay, many of you. So real quickly, Craig Rochelle has one of the largest churches in America that's a life-giving, fire-breathing, do-it-right church. Uh, if you want to look at it, it's Light Church, one word, TV. They have more campuses than any church in America. They're reaching every weekend about 50,000 people that attend their services in America. He, he's not the pioneer of campus churches, but he's the one that's taken it the furthest. And this is what he said recently. I'm going to quote him. Listen to this. Craig Rochelle shared recently, quote, There is something better to worship God together and to be committed to worshiping him together, to hear his word together, do not reduce church to listening online. It's so much more than that. It's community. It's worshiping with others. It's praying with others. It's hurting with others. It's serving with others. It's being involved in the lives of others. Here's the man doing the campus thing that's done it better than anybody. And he is saying, we made a major mistake when people think you can watch it online and not have to be there with other people. Not have to connect to community. Not have to hurt when people are hurting. Not rejoicing when they're rejoicing. We act like we're little satellites around the whole thing. You love Jesus, but you're not connected like he told you to be connected. So listen to what I'm saying. It has to change. I have to change. We can't do it anymore like we've done it, where you can just kind of come and go and it doesn't matter. You can be anonymous. You are not okay being anonymous. Listen to me. The ones that will be picked are the ones who are by themselves. Because no one will know what's going on with you. And if you say, Pastor, it's just too intense for me here, then in the name of Jesus, find a life-giving church that you can be a part of. Please. But you can no longer take this casual attitude. It is an insult to believers around the world that are paying and trusting that this is real and I'll lay my life on it's real. And I'm telling you, I'm not sure how it would go in America right now if we were forced to have to choose your life or your church. And Pastor, I just, I, what happened to you? You just, what happened? <laughs> Dude, if all you do is come here to watch me burn, so be it. But may you catch on fire. May you catch on fire. You know, I'm burnt out. You got to catch on fire before you burn out. So let me give you four things. And if the rest of the message you don't like and you want to sift through it, go ahead. But these four things are non-negotiables. This is the way that it is, not because I say so, but because the Bible says so, God says so. And if you are a follower of Christ, then this must be important to you. So the first one is what I just said. Believers in places where it's illegal are willing to risk their lives to meet together. And we have got to make decisions now that will make that easy then. So listen what I'm saying. If you wake up and go, church, the Broncos, the park, the mountain... And I'm not saying once in a while, but I'm saying like every weekend is just, well, which one do I want to, 
you are being deceived, friend. You are not ready. And if you're like, well, this is self-serving. Two, God tells us to meet together. Hebrews 10.25. Not giving up meeting together. One more time. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the, what's that word? All it takes is to do something three or four times for it to become a habit. And what happened through the last two years, it has become a habit to stay home. You're here, but you're not. And I love video, and I will continue doing it, but the reason we did it was for people who couldn't make it to church because they were shut-ins, or they were traveling, or they were sick, or something was going on. It was never intended to be an alternative to being here, and it's not the gospel. Friend, it's not the gospel, I'm telling you. Yes, you're being fed, but you are not connecting to community, and you will be the one that gets picked. starting three we are called to community with like-minded believers Philippians 2 2 Paul wrote this to the church make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind this is not some esoteric philosophy this is to come together and to share together what we believe to encourage each other in what we believe so that when there's pressure outside the pressure inside is greater so that you don't succumb to the pressure outside and right now it would be like a flood but I'm telling you the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood God raises a standard you're the standard you're the standard you're the you're the standard take your place don't be offended by me be provoked by me in a good way. Ask yourself. And here's the fourth one, and this will explain whether or not it's self-seeking and self-centered. Pastors, care for your soul. And I can't do that if I can't touch you, and I can't look at you, and I can't talk to you, and I can't challenge you, and I can't encourage you. I can't do that. Pull it up for me real quick. Hebrews 13, 17. Look at this. Obey your spiritual leaders. Thank you for that applause. (laughs) And do what they say. This is the part I want you to see. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. So let me tell you what that means and why this is serious to me. I do want you to like me. I want you to come back. I want you to find a home here. I want to encourage you. I hope I am an encouragement to you. How stupid would it be to gather my people together and beat on them? I'm not beating on anybody. I love you. But part of my job is this, that I care for your soul, and that soul care can't be done in some faraway place. It has to be done here and now. Things have to change. I need to change. i got to become more available, and so does our staff. We have got to get together in better groups than we are doing it right now. We can't allow Pastor Terry to touch a few people. We all, listen, I can't care about this more than you do. This is serious now. And the bottom line is, here's what pastors and church leaders sign up for that you didn't. We knew the deal, and here it is. We're all going to stand before God and be judged. And if you're a believer, not for heaven and hell, but for what you did. And you'll be rewarded for it, or not. Not heaven and hell but rewarded for it. And will it matter? Well, I made it into heaven, but I didn't get any rewards. It will matter. It will matter huge. Some of you will thank me that I told you this right now. But here's the second part. That's all that you go through. Then I have to go back and be judged a second time. What I did with my life and then how I took care of you. And how will I answer to God for that? If I turn away from it because I don't want to have to face what's coming or it's easier to gather a crowd by telling them that everything is just okay, okay, okay. In the ark of safety, everything is okay. Outside of the ark of safety, you are taking your life in your own hands. And I'm not being mean. And I'm not trying to push you around. And you saints who have served God for years longer than I have, you know I'm teaching truth right now. You know I'm teaching truth. We have gotten into bad habits and it must be broken. It must be. It cannot be a choice. It has to be the choice. Melson, am I telling truth? Justin?
Do you hear me? I love you. I care for your soul. And I take that deadly serious. How will I answer to the Lord? What would I say? I was afraid. I was afraid somebody would write me a nasty email. How, how pathetic that would appear to be, huh? That I made my friends mad. Maybe it is a smaller, slimmer church, but maybe they're special forces. I'd take a good group of special forces to go pick a fight. Then a bunch of people who will run away and you can't trust them. So what I'm saying to you is, I'm here. I'm not a hireling. I came one direction. I'm nothing. I'm just the pastor under Christ. Judge only by that right there. But we got to go to a higher level. And pray about it. Listen, nobody's playing music right now because I didn't want you to feel like there was some tricky manipulate, like, oh, he's... When we were crying. Last, last week, I was like a madman while I was preaching, if you were here. Because I felt like I was pushing back darkness. If you weren't here, I just talked about a person who made a large donation to our thing that doesn't go to our church, but <laughs> believes that part of what we're going to do is bring revival to Denver. The teaching and training center is going to be a place to train for revival. And I want you to be a part of that. But the person made this observation. You know, I'm, I'm, my head is down here. I'm paying attention to what's going on here. I'm not looking at other churches and comparing ourselves to other churches. This is where my heart is. This is it. So I don't know what's going on. And the problem with that is the enemy, he moves across the body. And when you don't compare notes, you just feel like it's you. So this lady who gave the donation said to me, Pastor... God is using Jubilee for healing. I mean, there is awesome healing going on. She said in every church in the metro area that's experiencing healing is also experiencing the most unusual diseases right now. And she said it's almost like the devil is like, if, if you guys will back off, I'll back off. But I'm going to tell you the truth about something. The enemy will not back off. He wants to intimidate you and make you think, don't, hey, don't get serious about this. And then you think he'll leave you alone? Dude, you will be unserious and he'll smash you. You are formidable. And you are, you are highly able to take on the enemy in the blood of Christ. Highly able. But without it, you are a, a snack. A spot on the road with a sign that says they tried to take on the enemy without Jesus. So when I was preaching last week, man, I, my benefit in this service is that I don't have to end. Yep. <laughs> That's okay. That's why we come. But I will. And so my position allows me access into people's lives. And I know that many of you are dealing. My staff, I have a staff person that got COVID three times. Many have had it twice. And it's like the more we pursue healing, the more this stuff was happening. And we're just taking it. And, feel like, like, and here's what happens. When you just take it and you don't do anything about it, it just beats you down, beats you down, beats you You don't even know. So this, this woman told me, so I want to give you a few examples. And if you know Red Rocks Church, Pastor Sean, their main pastor, just a few weeks ago was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And that's a place that God is using in our city. Our church is getting it. Pastor Evan, I was with Evan this week. All of Evan's elders all came up with weird diseases once they got into their church building just to few months ago. Every one of them. In fact, one of them died. And Evan was unaware that this is going on in other places. So I was preaching last week, and if you saw me and you're just like, what is going I felt like I was fighting for you. Yes. I felt like I will not let the enemy have you. Right. I won't let you be sacrificed. I won't let you go through it. I will fight. But I can't fight without you. Right. And if you think like, Pastor, I just... Just think you're too intense or too serious. What will I say? What could I do? So I left it literally where there's no music playing. And Haley's going to come in a minute and dismiss us when it's done. 
And they said to me, what will be your ministry at the end? And this time, it's a challenge. What will you do with this? Will you walk out of here and it just drops out of your head? And Russell Wilson's coming, Pastor. <laughs> or will you make a hard decision? This decision's not emotional. Emotions will get you to that door. And then the world will punch you in the mouth. Mike Tyson said everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. What will you do when you get punched? Because if you will run away, so Jesus, I don't know what else to do about it. I feel like I laid it all out right now. And God, honestly, Paul called the foolishness of preaching. What, what power is there in me getting up and there's no power in that it's in what the Holy Spirit does with these words in your heart. This literally is a seed right now that goes out. And if it can find the right soil in your heart, the Bible says it can reproduce 30, 60, 100 times. Can you imagine one seed 100 times more than itself? What would that be in your life? The kingdom of God. On earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom of God runs all of heaven. And we find ourselves now in this temporal place battling for that thing. And so, God, we pray, your kingdom come to earth. That means your kingdom come in my life. Your kingdom come in my marriage. Your kingdom come in my family. Your kingdom come in my health. Your kingdom come in our government. Your kingdom come in Ukraine today. Your kingdom come in Israel today. And Jesus, your kingdom come to America today. God, don't forget us. There are many righteous here who love you, who are standing and believing and getting ready, Father. And however you choose to do it, Lord, we want to be awake, we want to be ready, because when you say now, yes, yes, Lord, yes. I don't want to be caught unawares. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to talk about what could have been. The people that know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. I want that to happen, not because of bravado, but because that's who the church is. We've been deceived to believe it's a club, it's a, 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 a casual, this is the body of Christ, and you are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And you can do so much more than you have any idea, and I believe that God is calling right now and looking. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro on the earth, looking for those on whose behalf he can be strong. That's what it says. He's looking right now. And if you need him, ask for him. And the ark of safety is Jesus. It's not this church. The ark of safety is Jesus. But this church aligns itself with Jesus. It's a safe place. And I had a young lady, she's not so young now, walk up to me and say, Pastor, I was a little girl when I started attending this house. This is what she said, this house. She said, I learned to love Jesus in this house. I learned to hear the voice of God in this house. This is my house. I said, then do not be moved. Don't let anything move you. I'm asking you to narrow your options. I'm asking you to discard choice. And I'm asking you to say, this is it. And if it's not here, then find the place that it is. But stop this wavering between two opinions. No more. Hear the call. Get ready. Not for a slaughter. Get ready for the greatest days of victory the church has ever known. Get ready for healing to come back. For the dead to be raised. For the demonic to be stopped. For us to advance forcefully and mightily. For your children to take the torch from you. And instead of laying it down and walking away, they make you look like you didn't know what you were talking about because they pick up the torch and run with it. Come on. Your kingdom come and your will be done, Father. You are the God of this house. You are the God of my life. You are the God of this church. Father, I proclaim you to be the God of Denver. I proclaim it over this area. I proclaim that the heavens will open. I proclaim, God, that you are going to pour out as never before. And we must position ourselves to say yes to that. And not to just hear, hey, did you hear that happened? 
but that you are to be a part of this church. So if you need to pray, pray. If you need to think, think. If you know you're ready, be ready. Take your place. Put on the full armor and having done all to stand, stand therefore. But this is not some shaky, maybe he said that. I'm not sure if he was laying it between the lines. This is a call that cannot be confused right now. Don't waver anymore. Take your stand. Not in your strength. In the strength of the Lord. I bless you. I pray the Lord watch over you and keep you. I seal you in the blood of Jesus. I tell the enemy that he can't cross that line. I tell him that where he's working his plans right now, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That if you're dealing with sickness, I curse it because of Jesus and his victory. That if you're dealing with just upset in your mind, if you're full of anxiety, and there's so much anxiety right now, I say the peace of God is yours. I say that the enemy can no longer do this. And of course he's going to try, but he cannot be effective when you are fighting with like-minded people and God in your corner. I bless you. Rise up. Rise up. In Jesus' name, amen.